overcome by your circumstance. You can be overcome by an upbringing. You can be overcome by something that happened this morning that wasn't very comfortable. What we're singing right now is to be overcome by the Holy Spirit Himself. And let that Spirit be the only thing that grabs your attention. Right now in this moment. You might be thinking about something else. I'm saying, hey, come on back. Let the Holy Spirit grab you right now. Let the Spirit overcome you right now. Father, we thank you so much for the fact that that is something that you want to do with your children. You want to have your children's full and complete attention. And Father, from that, you want to say things to us that speak to the little boy and the little girl inside of us, the one that has been hurt, the one that has been beaten down, the one that has been told time and time and time again that you're not good enough. See, you want to speak to that place. Lord, and I pray that you do that right now. Because you are welcome here. Come fill this place. And create an atmosphere, Father, where we can step in. Father, I already feel you in this room. You are in this room with us right now. And God, I pray that anything that is hindering us from seeing your word, seeing who you are, seeing how much you love us, seeing how much you want to be with us right now, God, anything that is cutting that off, that it's raising itself up against the knowledge of Christ, we rebuke that in Jesus' name. And we say, be gone. So you, you can't have these people this morning. These are God's people. The enemy will have no more jurisdiction in this place or in your life. This morning, Father, get at us. Just get at us, Lord. And let it be real. I pray that the flesh has fallen off. character of Christ is what is what is revealed underneath. Prepare our hearts for this word. Prepare our hearts for what you're doing this morning. Father, we love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. You guys can be seated this morning. Good, good, good. Oh, man. Something about worship. Just love getting into it. Um, we're just going to kind of jump right in this morning, and for those of you who've been here for a while, we're going through the book of Romans. For those of you who haven't been, guess what? We're going through the book of Romans. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> but uh, it's been very, very fruitful, and we're now going to break off into chapter 3. And not much of an introduction into this as much as I'm just going to jump right into it. But in order for us to understand what's being spoken, the, the potency of this statement that is being made, what we're about to read has to do with Paul speaking something to the Jews and the Gentiles, but mostly to the Jew right now. And let me, let me say this before, before I read this. Is that have you ever been talking to somebody who might be a significant other, boyfriend, girlfriend, friend, doesn't matter. You guys are close or you're trying to communicate. Let's just leave it at that. And one person is just like, oh, well, I just can't do that. 
I uh, will never be good enough, so I'm just, why, what's the point of being in this thing? I'm never able to communicate well, so I'll just stop communicating. What's the point of that? See, what Paul is getting to in chapter 3 here is a Jewish nation who, after being told everything that they were told about being on the same level as the Gentiles, they're going to say, oh, well, what's the point of being a Jew? What's the point of believing? What's the point of being judged as a sinner if my sin is what shows the righteousness of God? So, what Paul is going to do here, what we're going to read, is he jumps out in front of any response that the Jew might give him according to what was just said, chapters 1 through the end of chapter 2. We got through Paul's introduction. It was great. He was very encouraging. Hey, I want to be there with you. I want to give my peace. I want to be among you. I want to establish you. And then he kind of rears back, and I've said this before, and just lets it fly. He gives them the unadulterated truth. Now, it seems a little bit harsh. But the truth only seems, well, let me say this, it only seems harsh when the truth is something that we're not living in. Does that make sense? Like, if the truth comes up and it's like, sweet, I'm, I'm good. Like, that's what I'm doing with my life and there's fruit from it. It's really not something that cuts. It's something that you live out of. It's something that you live by. You don't demean the truth. I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is that when we're not living in truth, when that comes, man, it convicts. So what Paul is saying in chapter 2, he's, he's speaking to the Gentiles about unbelief and the consequences of that. Basically saying, when I willingly choose to not walk with Christ, there are consequences. Now that word, consequences, as a young child, you're like, you never want to hear that from your parents. Hey, don't do that. It's consequences, boy. That's what my dad would say. <laughs> and he had the persuasion, alright? And it was good persuasion. But there's also... Uh, consequences to, to righteousness. Does that make sense? Consequences, consequences is not always a bad word. There are consequences to being in and walking in the goodness of who Christ is. But Paul in chapter 2 speaks to that unbelief. And then later on in the chapter, he speaks to the Jews saying, if you claim to be a Jew... If you claim to boast in God, if you claim to have the law in you and working in you, then you who teach, you who preach, do you teach yourself? Do you preach to yourself? Basically, what we can take from that, what we did take from that last week was, if you call yourself a believer, like a believer, not a Christian, a believer, one who follows Christ, and you see yourself as confident enough to be a light to the world, a light in the darkness, a guide to the blind. Paul goes through all of these things in the end of chapter 2. He says, then you better know that the very judgment that you exact on somebody else, you're going to be judged by that same measure. If you call yourself a Christian, then walk like it. If you boast in God, don't boast with your mouth. That's what the Jews were doing. Boasting with their mouth. Boast with your lifestyle. Because if it's real, go live it. Now that's truth that comes right there. Front doorstep, knocking on the door. What's up? I am truth. Are you going to let me in? <laughs> Again, when we're not living in the truth, that can be very, very convicting. For me, that was convicting because there's areas of my life that is like, look, don't boast in the fact that you're the pastor. Boast in the fact that the sheep are getting taken care of. Ezekiel 34 is very real. 
And he rebukes shepherds who aren't doing their job. Man, that scares the crap out of me. So it's not like, oh, let me stand up here and say, hey, it scares the crap out of me so everyone can be like, oh, he's a great pastor. No, go do it. That's it. Just go do it. And let your life boast in that. So he, Paul gets done in the, uh, chapter 1 and chapter 2 getting everyone, the Jew and the Gentile, the self-indulgent Gentile and the self-righteous Jew all on the same level. Because the Jewish nation thought because the law was given to them through Moses, through the prophets who lived among them, the law was being preached in their synagogues, it was being written in their books, and they were responsible to bring that law. All of that caused them to have this self-righteous standing. I'm a Christian. Is that a badge that you wear, that we wear? Paul's like ripping the badge off, saying just because you, God entrusted you with something doesn't mean that puts you up above anyone else. And then the Gentile gets brought basically up to the same level as the Jew, going like this, saying, just because you believe what is good for you is good for you, and what's good for me is good for me, God's going to judge it all, believer and non-believer alike. So he gets everybody on the same page. And then he jumps out in front of the Jew and answers some questions that might possibly be asked by a group of people who have a mindset of, we've been superior. So in a sense, he's, I don't know, I don't have another word for it. He's just out in front of them. And like I said, have you ever been talking to somebody and they're like, oh, well, what's the point then? We'll get to that. I'm about to read this. But before I read this, I'm going to make a statement and then we're going to jump into it. And the statement directly correlates with verse 20. But this is, if you go home with anything, go home with this, that an x-ray, everybody know what an x-ray is? MRI, picture of something inside you, all right, that you cannot see. An x-ray is to a cure as the law is to salvation. So it makes sense? An x-ray is to a cure as the law is to salvation. An x-ray can only diagnose a break. It can diagnose what's in you. But it cannot cure what is in you. It can only show you your, the fault in your body. The law is the same thing. It can only diagnose the situation. It can only tell you where you're at, where you are in accordance with Christ's character. But salvation in and of itself, ladies and gentlemen, is through the blood of Jesus Christ. Is there anybody in here this morning? Amen? Yeah. So sometimes, you know what, let me leave it right there. Let me read Reading the Word is good. Alright, we're going to start here in verse 3. Um, we're going to be going all the way to verse 20. It says this, Then what advantage has the Jew? Or what is the benefit of circumcision? Great in every respect. First of all, that they were entrusted with the oracles of God. What then? If some did not believe, their unbelief will not nullify the faithfulness of God, will it? May it never be. Rather, let God be found true, though every man be found a liar, as it is written, that you may be justified, excuse me, in your words and prevail when you are judged. In verse 5, but if our unrighteousness demonstrates the righteousness of God, what shall we say? 
The God who inflicts wrath is not unrighteous, is he? I'm speaking in human terms. May it never be. For other, otherwise, how will God judge the world? But if through my lie the truth of God abound to his glory, why am I also still being judged as a sinner? And why not say, as we are slanderously reported and as some claim that we say, let us do evil that God, excuse me, that good may come. Their condemnation is just. What then? Are we better than they? Not at all. For we have already charged that both Jews and Greeks are all under sin. Basically on the same level there. Verse 10. As it is written, there is none righteous, not even one. There is none who understands. There is none who seeks for good or God. All have turned aside. Together they have become useless. There is none who is good. There is not even one. There are throats as an open grave. With their tongues they keep deceiving. The poison of asps in, un, uh, in under their lisps is under their lips, excuse me, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood, destruction, and misery are in their paths, and the path of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Verse 19 and 20, and we'll be done here. Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be closed. And all the world may be accountable to God. Because by the works of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight. For through the law comes the knowledge of sin. That last statement does not say through the law comes salvation. Through the law comes knowing Christ on an intimate level. Through the law, it says... There's the knowledge of sin. Now that right there basically means my little x-ray statement. It's diagnostic in nature. Now what do we hear all day long, not only from the secular world, but also from the Christian world, the believing world? Actions speak louder than words. Right? I'm going to say to you right now, as things are revealed to you, only you can make the decision to either walk towards death or walk towards life. Amen. I'm not going to say walk towards good or bad. It's life and death. Amen. To have the law in you or to have the word in you is an amazing thing. And through that, we can understand more of who God is by he, the way that He deals with people. Um, and, and you get to know God on an intimate level, Jesus on an intimate level that way. But it's very specific in Romans 10 where it says, all you have to do is confess with your mouth and believe with your heart and you're good. There's no amount of walking any old lady across the street that can get you into heaven. There's no amount of doing good things that can get you closer to God. It's by the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen? So, you guys with me this morning? Yes. Yeah, okay. So we're about to go back through this and kind of look at it just a little bit more in depth in what's being communicated here. The very first verse, you have to have some kind of mindset to, to have that in you. To kind of say, what point is it then to be a Christian? If every single time I open up my mouth about Christ, I get persecuted. 
every single time I say something about God in my social environment, I just get whooped. What, what, what's the point? Now, Paul is speaking to the Jew, answering the question for them, saying this. It says, what advantage has the Jew or what is the benefit of circumcision? It says, great in every respect. First of all, that we were entrusted with the oracles of the Lord. Now, see, what we do have to understand about the Jewish nation is that, yeah, they were kind of high and mighty on themselves because they were carriers of the gospel. And they said, look at this gift that I have that I've been entrusted with. Okay, the gift is cool. But kind of look at my arms and how they're all, you know, strong from holding the gift. Isn't that cool? Look at my, look at my badge of honor that says carrier of the gospel. Look at me. Don't look at the gift. The gift's, I mean, the gift's what it is, but check me out. See how I'm carrying it. And sometimes it's heavy and I wear that like a badge of honor, like life is so, oh. Look at the gift and not the one who's carrying it. That's what Paul is trying to get at. So the Jews are saying, well, what's the point then if God chose, chose us as Jews to carry this gift to the rest of the world, but yet we're on the same level as all the Gentiles? What's the point? And he says, your thinking is wrong. You're looking at it from a place of superiority and not, watch this, a place of privilege. What you're going through right now is such a privilege to walk through. You have no idea. Because it's an opportunity, you've been entrusted with what? The oracles of God. You know where the oracles of God are? From Genesis to Revelation. Ladies and gentlemen, if you have a Bible or access to a phone with a Bible app, come on. That's a 2017 statement right there, all right? Get connected to Wi-Fi, whatever you got to do. You have access to the oracles of God. The uh, wisdom that comes from the Word, the discernment that comes from the Word. But I guarantee you this. Well, let me, let me rephrase it. Do you believe that the Lord has trusted you with His Word? Because the answer is yes. Let me be like Paul and get out in front and answer for you. Uh, yeah. The Greek interpretation of the word yes is yes. He's entrusted us as believers to carry something and to bring the wisdom and discernment of who Jesus is into any situation. Period. But when my circumstance and those waves get a little bit higher than my head and all of a sudden the nervousness comes up, we can have just the wrong perspective, the wrong mentality. Everybody in here has done it. I've done it. Let's be real about it. Amen? Uh, real quick side note. We've been really talking about the, the Israelites when they crossed the, the Red Sea and how long that really could have taken, theoretically. Can you think about how long it would take you to walk a mile or two miles? Um, it's a long time. Now take 2.5 million people and walk them through the, basically the, the sea with those, those walls being held back. I'm sure there was hours upon hours upon hours, maybe even days, where the walls were being held back. Do you realize that the Lord will hold back the sea for you as long as it possibly takes? It may take months. It may take years. But He's going to do it. They're going to do it for you. So we continue here. 
And it says, what then? If some did not believe, their unbelief will not nullify the faithfulness of God. Will it? You know what? That verse right there, I am hitting the floor and praising God for. Let me read it again. What if, excuse me, what then? If some did not believe, their unbelief will not nullify the faithfulness of God. When my emotions become louder than the Scriptures... And all of a sudden, I find myself not in the Lord's presence. That all of a sudden doesn't make Him not God. He is so faithful to who He said He is, even when I don't feel like it. (laughs) Man, there's times where the, the feeling of it is like, Oh, buddy, going through some stuff right now, and He's still God. That right there... I could stop right there and send you guys home and we'd be good. That in and of itself is something that humbles me to the point where how can I even doubt ever that He is who He says He is? Because in the midst of me literally turning my back or us turning our back on who He is and His character thinking He's not going to come through, 1159 has passed, it's 1215, It's three in the morning. He's still God. He's still the man who knows every hair on your head. Created you. Wants to love you. Wants you to know not only who you are in Him, but who He is in you. That's huge. Amen? Come on now. Then verse 4, it says, May it never be. Rather, let God be found true, though every man be found a liar, as it is written, that you may be justified in your words and prevail when you are judged. Now, does that mean that I'm a liar all the time? Let every man be found a liar? It's an interesting question. The greatest truth that I could come up with looks like a lie in the presence of the truth of God. The greatest truth that I could ever conjure up for myself is going to be perceived in the eyes of the Lord as insufficient. You know what? I wouldn't mind being a liar when it's compared to Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? The things that I say to myself, yeah, that'd be a good idea to insert into that situation to fix it. Mm. That's where I want to be lying. (laughs) Because... What he inserts into the situation is way more truth than I could ever conjure up. Are you guys with me? So yes, we're a liar when we say we can figure it out. When we say, this is my gospel. The gospel of Alex Square. Gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen? The latter half of that verse, that you may be justified in your words and again prevail when you are judged. That word prevail doesn't mean that you've succeeded or you've gotten on the other side of whatever it is that uh, the situation permits. This is specific to what I just got done saying that whatever you choose to do, you will, be pre- you will prevail in that judgment when judgment comes. Not from me, not from the person sitting next to you, not from church-going people, from Jesus Christ, from God, and that's it. That's it. And here we go. Verse 5. But in our unrighteousness, demonstrate the righteousness of God. What shall we say? Excuse me. But if our unrighteousness demonstrates the righteousness of God, what shall we say? 
that God who inflicts wrath is not unrighteous, is He? I am speaking in human terms. Now, let me pause right there for a second. This is speaking about the character of the Lord. Now, what do we know from Jeremiah 29, 11? That he, the plans that He's made for you are for good and not for calamity. So, if that's true, if that's true, then what He's trying to get at right here is that why would He set you up to fail? Why would He say, your sin is going to make me look good, so I'm going to set this up to where you just sin all the time? And I'm the one who just gets all the glory. That's not the type of God that we serve. And he's making that statement. Uh, verse 6, may it never be. For otherwise, how will God judge the world? He's a just God. All sin has to be looked at. It has to. For him to turn his head on the stuff that you're doing or I'm doing, is if we could go back to uh, chapter 2, verse 4, um, and I, I referenced this last time as well. Um, but you think lightly of the riches of His kindness and tolerance and patience, not knowing that the kindness of God is what leads to repentance. Taking advantage of the fact that He's being patient with you. He's being patient with me. Saying, I'm waiting for you to come back. I'm not going to blow you out of the water. You can repent on your own. But if you don't, I love you enough where I'm going to give you a little humble reminder. I got a lot of humble reminders back in the day by my father, alright? That's good stuff. Do not spare your child the rod of discipline. Yeah, nobody is laughing at that one. <laughs> but verse 7, uh, yes, verse 7. But if through my lie the truth of God abounded to His glory, why am I still being judged as a sinner? And why not say, as we are slanderously reported, and as some claim that we say, let us do evil that we may do good. Excuse me, that good may come from it. Their condemnation is just. Um, I told this to first service at one point. some point, I want to get like a, a trash can out front, spray paint it on it, just leave your mask here. Just so that when you walk in here, you, you have a visual for that. Because please don't ever be something different than who you are when you walk into this church. I don't know if other churches are saying that, but that's for them to uh, speak to their congregation. I will never not say that to you. Uh, because I want to be around real people. I hope you want to be around a real pastor. For sure. Now, with that being said, I'm speaking to... Can we back up real quick? Keep that verse 8 up there, I'm sorry. I'm speaking to something that is... is maybe one of those things that as, as a Christian we... we get revealed something. There's, there's a, diag a diagnosis in our lives. And we can kind of sweep it underneath the rug and kind of move to the left and say, ah, oh, well, I'm not really in that sin when we completely are. In it. And say, well... Because the Lord is always going to show up and He's always going to forgive me, which He will. But again, there's consequences to sin. Let me just keep sinning. Let me just keep on doing what I'm doing because uh, that reveals how good God is in my life. 
I don't think anybody in here would really consciously say that. But ask yourself the question in, in the way that I'm living, am I subconsciously speaking that, not to the people around me, but to God? That I sin, and I sin, and I keep sinning, and I, oh please, oh please, get me right. Then I go back to it, and I keep sinning. And yes, it shows how glorious He is. It really does. But as Beck preached three, four weeks ago, the window is closing. You do not have all the time in the world, nor do I. Are we going to look back and in hindsight say, man, I wish I would have however many months, minutes, days, years ago, whatever order you want to say those in. Or are you going to say, look, right now, I choose to be a real believer and follower of Christ and let all of that come through because you know what? It's exhausting to put on. It is so exhausting. Anybody in here, does that resonate with anybody? Sometimes you're exhausted just trying to be a Christian. <laughs> okay, stop it. Just follow Him. And let it be real. You can make that decision today. You can draw a line in the sand or the red carpet or whatever it is and just say, look, I choose not to go back beyond that point. Not even to look back there. Not even to consult your past in order to be successful in the future. It doesn't get a say anymore. You go and you walk straight towards Christ. <laughs> like It's that simple. Amen? Verse 9, what then? Are we better than they? Not at all. For we have already charged that both Jews and Greeks are, are, are all under sin. Putting everybody on the same level. And then he jumps off in these next verses speaking to some stuff that is, is, is a little harsh. And you're, you're thinking to yourself while you're reading these like, uh, I thought I understood. I thought that I seek the Lord. Uh, I haven't turned aside. I don't know what asps under their lisps means. Or lips, not lisps. That's weird. <laughs> means. So he says, there is none righteous, not even one. There is none who understands. There is none who seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become useless. There is none who does good. There is not even one. Their throat is an open grave. With their tongues they keep deceiving. The poison of asps is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their paths. In the path of peace, they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Oof. Man, you read all those and you're like, oh man, like I hope I'm not any of those. But here we have a good depiction of the absence of God. I'm not even saying the absence of God in someone's life. I'm saying the absence of God, period. Now, there's scripture that says every good thing comes from the Lord. It doesn't mean every good thing in a Christian comes from the Lord. And every good thing from a non-believer, we just have to... Just don't talk about it because we don't really understand it. <laughs> That's not it. There is not a single thing that happens in, in this world that is good that does not come from the Father. Like some, all cars that stop at a stop sign and nobody gets hurt. I mean, that's a really, I mean, that's a heated moment for some people. 
But something so small like that, all goodness in this world comes from Him. You take that goodness out of even a believer or a non-believer, this is the explanation of who that person is. There is no good among them. They are not righteous. We are after destruction and quick to shed blood. Which is why... Huh, let me say this. Insert Jesus back into those verses. Insert His blood into those verses. And it's way different than when He's absent and He's not there and you try to operate out of the law. Does that make sense? So if we continue... Verses 19 and 20 as I, as I bring, this thing, bring this thing home. It says, Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law. Whatever the Word of God is communicating to the entire world, not only to believers, but to the entire world, we are under that jurisdiction. So if you're flipping through this and you're reading something and it's like, ah, that doesn't really sound like me, that doesn't really sound like me, it all applies. If, if, if we believe John 3.16, okay, then we got to believe the stuff in Revelation. And we got to believe the stuff in Genesis. Alright? We can't just a la carte faith this thing. Let me just pick some of this and this. It's good. Oh, I don't want that. Put that back. Yeah. You with me this morning? And then it says, so that every mouth may be closed and all the world may become accountable to God. Every mouth will be shut who's trying to judge. Every, every mouth who thinks they know. Really? You think you got to figure it out? You think that, oh, if that person would just this, this, and this? Sure. Sure. But do you realize that we are only accountable to God, the Father in heaven? Now, a, a way that that verse can get misinterpreted is this. And Paul spoke to it in his introduction. Have you ever heard somebody say, it's just me and God? I'm just going to do whatever God tells me to do and lead me wherever He wants me to go and I'll just be alright. Okay. I understand that. But when He speaks to you and says, you need to be in a certain place with people, why would He speak out of the other side of His mouth and say, you need to go somewhere else. As if the horizontal relationship doesn't matter. See, what Paul did in his introduction, he said, here's the gospel. Here's what it means to me. Here's what the Lord has used me for. Here's the significance of it. And here's what it makes me want to do. It makes me want to come and hang out with you. It makes me want to impart things to you. It makes me want to give what I have to the rest of the body so the body can be healthy. There are no such thing as lone Christians. Because you have a piece that is supposed to fit somewhere. And if every single time it gets hard and it looks like it's not going to fit, you can't just bounce out somewhere else. I am not going to tell all of you guys to leave. Please don't leave. All right. What I am saying is find where God wants you to be, throw down roots, and no matter how hard it feels or how uncomfortable it is, be a part of the solution and not adding to the problem. You with me this morning? Amen. We are all accountable to God. And that is basically saying at the end of the day, you don't answer to Pastor Square. 
You don't even answer to your husband or to your wife. You answer to God. But because you answer to God, <laughs> the relationship that you have with your husband and wife is an important one. See how you go all the way back? The authorities that He has set up in your life are important to, to honor and respect. But we are accountable to Him in His Word and we are not in any way, shape, or form exempt from that. Amen? But I'll say it again. <laughs> There's consequences to righteousness. So when we are accountable to Him and we, we, it's not this stay away from these things and, and, and spend time trying to make sure I'm not over here or over there. No, it's just use your energy walking the, the, the narrow road. Do that and the rest of the Anything that comes up against you will take care of itself. Um, then this last little bit says, uh, All the world may become accountable to God because by the works of the law no flesh will be justified in His sight. And I use this story, I um, didn't think I was going to, but there's, there's times in my life, not that my life and my things I've gone through can change you, but maybe it might help understand some things. If I like feel really crappy about myself, I'll go do things that are constructive. Like I'll go work out and just try to kill it, you know. But then I'll clean my truck like spotless to make it feel like I'm doing something. And then I'll go clean my room or my house and make sure like the yard is looking good and work on something so that I can see that I've gone from something that was chaos to something that was had a little bit of structure in it, right? You know what I need to be doing? Not going to the gym, not cleaning things, okay? I need to be on my knees, getting my heart right with the Lord. What that is communicating is that there is no, uh, because the world, the works of the law, no flesh will be justified in His sight. There's no amount of things you can do to make yourself feel better. And even if you do make yourself feel better about yourself in the moment, you still got to get on your knees. And there's still a heart issue that he's trying to get at. And then the very last statement. For though, excuse me, for through the law comes the knowledge of sin. An x-ray is to the cure as the law is to salvation. It's purely diagnostic because of a relationship. The relationship is what bridges the gap. Our works, our knowing the law, our doing the law, does not. You knowing what God says to do to, to remedy a situation, I mean, you can insert what you know into it, or you can insert a transformed heart because you have the heart of Christ for that circumstance. I so want us to get away from anything that looks like church. People are like, we're in church. You're the pastor. You just said, yes. I don't like doing church. What church is to me is when somebody comes in here heavy with something, they get healed from it. There's no amount of doing the law that will do that. What the law can do is be diagnostic and say, look, here's, here's the issue. But you yourself, me, myself included, have to let the Spirit work. So, to the title, which I didn't even say in the beginning. It's kind of like a conclusion title type thing. 
um, if we can get it back up there, is diagnosed by the law, but cured by His blood. Now that right there is something I have to pose and ask a question about. Do you live like you've been cured? Because let me give you the Greek word for that answer. Yes. You have been cured. You have access to the throne. You have access to the oracles of God. I mean, His wisdom. All of it. Sin is what separates us from that. But because of His blood, we have access to it. It's like an open door to everything you ever wanted on the other side. You peek your head through and you're like, ah, I'm good. A little too uncomfortable for me. So let me back up from that. And how often do we do that on a daily basis? You have access. Live like you're cured by the blood. Sure, the law is going to open you up. The, the word is going to open you up. It's going to cut and separate. But that's not the end of the story. Thank you, Jesus. There is more. Amen? So I want you to be encouraged this morning as we get the worship team back out here and ready for our offering. Um, I want to encourage you in... There's a lot of self-applicable things in these first 20 verses as we look at what Paul is saying to the Jews. Getting everybody on the same level. Saying, guess what? The whole world is guilty. All of us. But just because we are, don't throw your hands up in the air. <laughs> See it as a privilege to walk through what you're walking through. See it as a... Uh, yeah, a privilege that He entrusts you with something. And we want to hold that well. Because what we're holding is life to the non-believer. It's life even to the believer. I back up to chapter 2, verse 24, where it says, The, the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. That's rough. Speaking to the Jews. Saying the God that showed up however many weeks ago and gave us the amount of money that we needed for this building, the God who has pulled you out of the miry clay and put your feet on solid ground, saved you from yourself, cured whatever disease was in your body, the non-believer doesn't know that God because we're unwilling to talk about Him. The law in and of itself cannot show the magnificence of who God is. That gift, let it be given. And to be honest with you, this is going to sound harsh, but who cares who's bringing it? It's about the gospel. At the same time, He loves each and every one of you on an individual level. I'm not saying He doesn't care about you. All right? Don't hear me say that. But let the gospel come first in everything. Amen? Let's come on up here. Get our worship team back out here. We'll get ready for our offering. and uh, Let's just pray for this right now. You guys ready? All right. Yes, Father. Let's go ahead and stand to our feet as we, as we close this morning.
thing I, I definitely want to communicate, I don't want you to walk out of here thinking that the law is a bad thing. Okay? It's very good. And it being kept in its right context, it becomes one of the most beneficial things that we've ever been given. Obviously, the Word of God. Taken out of context is what we get Paul speaking to the Jews about. I want so much for the law to be upheld in you. Not the reason why you do what you do, but with it in its right context can show you the character of who Christ is. And sometimes things happen in our life that destroy that. They destroy our view of who God, of who God is. They destroy our view of this, this Savior that wants to come and literally just love on you. Pluck you out of whatever distress that you're in. But at the same time saying, you know what? Let me jump down in there with you. Because I got you in that for a reason. So there, maybe there might be somebody here this morning who is realizing that through, through the Word of God that maybe the concentration or the, the mentality is a little off. I've been a little bit too by the letter and not enough by the blood. And you want more of the blood of Jesus in your life. What I'm going to do is have these, these people sing. And if you need prayer with that, if you want the blood of Jesus on your life today so that XYZ can, I don't know, you, you finish the statement. If you want that, I want to pray for that for you. Because that is what is the cure to your circumstance. I don't know how he's going to cure it. I don't know what it's going to look like afterwards. All I know is that if he's in the middle of it and his blood is in it and on it, it's going to be exactly what he wants. And it's going to be exactly what we need. Amen? So have these guys sing. And if you need prayer for the blood of Jesus on your life and the restoration of his perfect law in your life, for that to not be destroyed, and I'll be up here. You can come up here. We can pray up here. That's fine. You can pull me aside when we're done. I just feel like that's what the Lord wants for us in this time. So let's sing. Not overcome by rules and regulations is His will for us. Father, I thank you for your work and how you get your work done. But how you are so interested in the relationship in the process. To simply be next to you cures so much. Lord, as we leave this place, I pray that we would plead the blood of Jesus on our lives. And that, Lord, it would rain down like a torrential downpour. But also, Lord, that we would receive what is being poured out. I pray against the scheme of the enemy in the, in the thinking. Lord, that we're not worthy of something. And to be all honest and true, yes, we're not. But because of you, we are. 
Because you want to pour it out, we're going to receive it. Because you decided and said yes, we say yes. We're worthy because of who you are, Father. But I pray that we accept the outpouring, the blessings that you want to pour on us, Lord. We say yes to those. There are no maybes in God's promises. All his promises are yes. And all his promises involve his children. You and me. And he will make a way in the wilderness. He will make a road where there is no road. Father, we, we know that we can have access to that just by getting close to you. And experiencing your spirit. So Lord, I, I pray for this congregation as they leave this place that they would be protected. That the spiritual warfare, Lord, we would know how to fight it. When it kicks its head up, we're not going to go looking for it. But Lord, when it kicks its head up, we know that we have, uh, we know we've already won. And I pray for courage enough to swing our sword. So I, I pray that you go before these people, come after them, protect them. But Lord, tap on their shoulder. Let them know how important they are. And how much you want to just be in their lives all the time. Father, we love you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. You guys are free to go.